slid down the glass into his mouth. Cookies were the best snack of all. He set the cup on the counter, climbed off the bar stool, and walked with tiptoe feet into his mom's office. He wasn't allowed in there except if his mom was working on her lawyer stuff and he had to ask her a serious question. But she'd understand today because a letter to God was very serious business. The room was big and clean and full of wood stuff. His mom was the kind of lawyer who put bad guys in jail. That's why sometimes she had to work late at night and on Sundays. Jordan pulled open a drawer near his mother's computer and took out two pieces of paper and two envelopes, in case he messed up and had to start over. Then he snuck real quiet out the door, down the hall, and into his room. He had a desk and pencils in there, only he never used them because second graders at St. Andrews didn't get homework till after Christmas. One time he asked his mommy what would happen if he couldn't do the homework when he got it. What if the stuff he had to do was too hard? It won't be too hard, Jordan. His mother's eyebrows had lifted up the way they did when she didn't want any more questions. Are you sure? Yes, I'm completely sure. How come? Because, Jordan, I've been through second grade and I know all the answers. If you have trouble, I'll help you. His heart felt a little less scared after that. Not every second grader's mommy had all the answers. If she knew everything, then he could never really get in too much trouble with his homework, and that was a good thing, because Christmas wasn't too far away. He sat down at his desk, took a pencil from the box, and spread out the piece of paper. The white space looked very empty, and Jordan stared at it for a long time. If God was going to read the letter, it had to be his best work ever. Big words would be a good thing. He worked himself a little taller in the chair, sucked in a long breath through his teeth, and began to write. Dear God, my name is Jordan Wright, and I am eight years old. I have something to ask you. I tried to ask you before, but I think you were busy, so I am writing you a letter instead. Jordan's hand hurt by the time he finished, and he could hear music playing on Grandma's grown-up show. That meant it was almost done and any minute Grandma would come looking for him. He quickly folded the letter in half, ran his finger along the edge, and folded it again. Then he stuck it in the envelope and licked the lid shut. With careful fingers he wrote God across the front. Then his pencil moved down a bit and froze. He'd forgotten something. He didn't know God's address. His heart felt extra jumpy. God lived in heaven, so that had to be part of it. But what about the numbers? Jordan could hear footsteps coming closer, and he didn't want Grandma to see the letter. She might want to read it, and that would ruin everything because it was a secret, just between him and God. He looked around his room and saw his backpack near his bed. He ran fast to it and slipped the letter inside. He could give it to his mother on the way to school tomorrow. She would know God's address. She knew everything. Chapter 1 Megan Wright tucked her blouse into her navy skirt as she rounded the corner into the kitchen. Her biggest opening argument of the month was in less than an hour. Let's go, Jordan. Two minutes. Just a sec. Not just a sec. She blew at a wisp of hair and grabbed a cold piece of toast from the kitchen counter. These were the times she missed George more than any other because the morning routine had been his deal, as long as he was at work by 8.30, he'd been happy. 
but she had briefings and depositions that started earlier than that. Now, Jordan, I have a hearing today. She poured two glasses of orange juice, snatched one, and spun toward the vitamin cupboard. Two C's, one A, one E, a B complex, and two garlics. She popped the pills into her mouth and swallowed them with a single swig of juice. George had been more than twenty years older than her, a man she respected and tried to love. But the fortress surrounding George's deepest emotions was unyielding stone and razor wire, and in his presence, Megan never felt like more than an amicable business partner. When the love she dreamed of never materialized, Megan allowed herself to become like him, married to her job. Neither of them had figured Jordan into the plans. But surprise gave way to possibility, and for a time, Megan believed that maybe George would come around, spend less time at work, and get caught up in fatherhood. They would have quiet moments together, watching their baby sleep and dreaming of his future. Laughter and passion would finally find them, and her life would be all she'd ever hoped it to be. But the dream never quite materialized. George was nearly fifty by then, and thrilled with the idea of a son, a child, to carry on his name. But he was as distant as ever with Megan. You treat me like part of the furniture, George, Megan whispered the words to him one night after they climbed into bed. Don't you want more? His eyes had been steely cold. You have all you could ever want, Megan. Don't ask more of me than I can give. George had been a bond trader a financial wizard with a spacious office in Midtown. For two weeks straight, he'd complained about a stiff neck, but neither of them saw the signs. When his secretary found him that October morning, arms spread across his desk, his head resting on a pile of client files, she thought he was merely resting. An hour later, a client call came in and she tried to wake him. Her scream brought most of the office staff, and fifteen minutes later, paramedics gave them the truth. He was dead, the victim of a massive coronary. Megan lifted the juice to her lips once more and downed it in four swallows. It had been two years now, and her grieving period had lasted only a few months. The two of them had never loved the way Megan had hoped, the way she'd once, a long time ago, believed possible. She and George were business partners, friends who ran a common household. She missed George in a functionary sense, especially on mornings like this, but he'd taken none of her heart with him when he died. The problem was Jordan. The boy was the one person George had truly loved, and what little free time and sparse emotions he was able to give had been completely reserved for their only child. Megan never admitted it, but more than once she'd found herself feeling jealous of George's love for Jordan, because it was a love he'd never had for her. When George died... Jordan was devastated. In the two years since his death, the level of Jordan's behavior in school and at home had plummeted. Grief and anger, his doctor had called it, a passing phase. Megan and Jordan met with a counselor in the months after George's death, but the sessions were costly and time-consuming, and Megan didn't notice any improvement in Jordan's behavior. She'd asked her doctor about medication for the boy, Ritalin or one of the other drugs kids were using. Let's wait. The pediatrician had angled his head thoughtfully. I still think his behavior is related to the loss of his father. That was three months ago, and Megan was tired of waiting. 
Her mother had lived with them since just after George's death, an arrangement Megan had thought would be best for all of them. Her mom had retired from teaching in Florida that year and had only a limited income. They could share expenses, and her mother could help her with Jordan after school and on the weekends. But Jordan was too much for her mother, especially now that the weather was cooler and they were inside more. She set the juice glass in the dishwasher. Jordan! Her son's tennis shoes sounded on the hardwood hallway as he ran into view. Sorry, Mom. Megan looked at the boy and felt her patience waning. Jordan, orange and green? Miss Hansen says October is orange month. Miss Hansen isn't your mother. Megan pointed down the hallway. Find something that matches and do it now. We have to go. Okay. Jordan ran back down the hall, his steps a bit slower this time. Megan glanced at the clock on the microwave oven. 7.16 a.m. They'd have to catch every green light along Madison Avenue to make it on time. She darted into her bathroom, brushed her teeth, and checked her look. Trim and professional, dark hair swept into a conservative knot, makeup applied just so. She still turned heads, but not because she was pretty. Because she was powerful. At 32, she was one of the youngest prosecutors in the borough, and she had no intention of getting sidetracked, not until the DA's office was hers alone. That hadn't been her goal before George's heart attack, but now, now that she was their single source of income, things would always be tight if she didn't keep climbing. Jordan, she grabbed her leather jacket and flung her bag over her shoulder. Now! He was waiting for her near the door. Beecha! His crooked grin caught her off guard, and for half a second she smiled. Very funny. Big hearing? Jordan opened the door for her. Megan shut and locked it.